we are continuing with our One Another series, and um, we have two wonderful testimonies that are stitched together in video form. And Jojo Dublin, that amazing bass player that you saw in the corner that was laying down those beautiful bass lines, he has called out uh, Ben Park, who is our worship uh, director. So we are going to run that video. For those of you that are here for the first time in the summer, what we do is we ask our members to participate in our sermon series by giving testimonies. And so this summer, what we're doing is having people call out other members in the church. And then uh, for that person that was called out, for them to respond uh, to that video. So you're going to see this back to back. And so let's go ahead and roll that. Good morning, Firestone family. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you. My name is Jojo. My family and I have been attending Firestone Church for almost four years now. I think that was 2017, if I'm not mistaken, I attended the service by myself. And in March, for the same year, I brought my wife, Grace, and my children, Sophie and Denise. And after the service, I asked them how they feel about it. And to my surprise, Sophie said she cried during the worship, and they loved the preaching. And then we joined the Bible study group, which motivated us to grow spiritually. But my concern is about my children because they doesn't have anyone of their age. So I told them to look for another church that has their age. To my joy, they said they were staying because this is our family verse. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When I became a Christian in 2001, I started to listen to gospel music which I didn't know exists because I live all my life in a secular song like rock and roll. But now in worship, it seems the rock is rolled. I learned basic guitar without formal education in my teenage years. And for the first time I listened to the Potter's Hand by Hillsong, I cried because it is a prayer to me. One day Mimi talked to me if I'm willing to join the worship and introduced me to Ben. Oh boy, he can play many instruments. He is like one man Ben. So I call him one man Ben. In my belief, playing instruments is also spiritual because it is a gift. In the Bible, the Lord rejoices in musical instruments. And whenever he plays piano, feels good. Ben also inspired me to learn how to play bass guitar, and now I am enjoying it. He also gives confidence to my children to be in the worship. As many instruments you play, Ben, God is using you as an instrument to build worship team at the battlefront. Because in worship, Everybody wins. 
thank you. Hey everyone, hey Jojo, thanks for calling me out. It's really great to hear your testimony and your side of things. And um, yeah, man, it's just been awesome to have you join the worship team and just church family in general and have the Dublin family here and Sophie and Denise rocking out as well. Um, you guys are also diligent, humble, hardworking, and just fun to be around. It's really great to have you guys part of the family during during COVID when we're all smaller groups and isolated. It's still been a blessing to have an opportunity to just hang out with great people who are really humble and really want to serve and, and want to give their gifts. And you know, the Filipinos are, are so musically talented, and uh, so I knew starting out I could teach you guys, and you guys would learn really quickly. And um, it's worked. You guys are coming along great, and. Uh, it's just overall just really fun and all this work that we put in is worth it because it means we can see see revival, we can see people get healed, we can see people's hearts uh, get touched by God and, and people get inspired and find hope and peace and it's really been a long journey for me starting Five Stones uh, four years ago not really wanting to take responsibility or, or to give up the musical gifts or whatever it is or be a part of the music. Um, God's really pulled on my heart over the years and um, shown me just through testimonies and experiences um, really the value of what we do and, and how important it is. And my own experience is that it's just been really fun. And um, yeah, it's just a, just a fun adventure that just happens, um, just happens naturally. God just takes, takes over and takes control. And, each and every one of the people who volunteers um, worship is just so, so humble and lovely and, and just fun to be around and I really appreciate everyone and what they offer and um, yeah, Jojo, I really appreciate your heart and um, yeah, may the Lord keep using you as well as a, an instrument of, of spiritual warfare and bringing the kingdom of God and, and spreading his love to, to all people and i um, excited to keep working with you and everyone in the future and uh, yeah I'm really encouraged by, by what you said and uh, thanks a lot Video. Ben is um, taking a well-deserved well vacation uh, this week, but it's just fun to listen to their testimonies. And so my theme uh, this morning is encouraging one another. And uh, I have a couple verses for us <clears throat> to look at. The first one is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, where Paul says, Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And then this passage from Acts chapter 11, uh, these five verses starting in 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well. So we have these Gentiles who have 
been converted to the Lord and they cannot be suppressed. They're so excited about Jesus that they're starting to spread the message to their communities. And so this is what we're reading here, that they started to preach the gospel, not just to the Jews, but to the Greeks as well. Verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and considerable numbers were being added to the Lord. God, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the life. We thank you, Father God, how it just uh, builds us up, causes us to be closer to you, how it edifies us as a community. So, Lord, we commit this time in the word to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this church plant in Antioch, by the way, uh, if you were to look up Antioch on, on the map today, it would be in modern Turkey. This, uh, this church in Antioch that was established by the Cyprian and Cyrenian brothers was a turning point in the Great Commission. Remember how when Jesus said to the apostles before he went to uh, sit at the right hand of God, he said, go into all the nations, making disciples. And the whole phrase of go into all the nations was something that cast vision before the disciples. But here they were in Jerusalem, and furthermore, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus emphasized to them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be causing, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So as the gospel was just growing and getting stronger and stronger in Jerusalem, it began to spill out. And this was a pivot point that we read here in Acts chapter 11, because now for the first time, a church is being established outside the Hebrew framework and established in the Gentile world. And how significant was it that this was the first Gentile that this first Gentile church in history was planted by a man gifted with encouragement. That person that was sent by the apostles to Antioch was Barnabas, who was a prophet and who was called by the apostles the son of encouragement. How significant was this? It's very significant for us to note. Anytime something is mentioned for the first time in Scripture, we need to make a mental note because that is a building block. That becomes a template. That becomes a plumb line. And so in this case, this is a plumb line that God wants for all churches in that they want us to embody a spirit of encouragement. So this morning, we're going to look at the person of Barnabas specifically and how he established a powerful culture of encouragement. And I want to bring out five points this morning. So the first thing here is that Barnabas rejoiced with people in the grace that was at work in their lives. And so we need to do the same thing. We need to rejoice with people in the grace you see at work in their lives. And this is given to us in verse 23. When he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced. Now, that was a very pivotal moment. Can you imagine as Gentile believers, Barnabas is sent from headquarters. He's sent into our congregation. And we're not quite sure if we're doing things right. We're not quite sure. Is, do we have permission to have a church like this? Like we heard about the revival in Jerusalem. We saw the signs and wonders. And here's this little congregation. And here comes the man of God. And what's going to happen? How is he going to evaluate us? Are we legitimate in the eyes of God? And so the Bible says that the, the plumb line, the very sort of standard by which Barnabas evaluated them was 
he witnessed the grace of God. That was the telling sign that God was at work. He basically was saying, listen, guys, you may not be like the believers in Jerusalem, but you are killing it. God is at work here. And you can just sense the, the Gentile believers beginning to just gain excitement, that that encouragement was coming to them. Almost like, really? Like, is this okay? And Barnabas was there to encourage them and fortify them. And you know, many times it takes outside eyes to see how God is working in our lives. Isn't that true? We're blind to God's hand working through us or upon us. And we need others to speak to our potential, our strengths, our destiny, what we're doing well. We need others to fortify us and to see what we can't see. But this means, this means that there's a call upon us to not hide our words. We need to speak to each other and to build each other up. I love that phrase that Joseph called out about Ben. You're a one-man band. You're so talented. You're not just up there shuffling around on stage and leading us in worship. No, you are a talented, multi-talented musician. And so this whole idea of not hiding our words means that we cannot be lazy. You can't just say, oh, you know what? They know they're good. Someone else will tell them or compliment them. Someone else will email them. No, don't hide your words. Barnabas did not hide his words from the Gentile congregation. He was not stoic. He was not just looking around thinking, okay, whatever. No, he was generous with his insights and his words. Proverbs 27.5 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. That's a very powerful saying that Solomon gave us. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. God created us to be verbal people, right? The opening chapter of Genesis is God verbalizing his love, his creativity, his genius, his design. He didn't stay mute. God has given us the word so that when we read it, it's God speaking to our hearts. And so when the Bible exhorts us to encourage one another with words, we're manifesting and we're mirroring the way that God comes to build us up. Don't miss an opportunity to water someone, big or small. When we speak to one another, it's like watering each other. Here's a little picture. The plant on the right is unwatered, and the one on the right is watered. And so maybe your brother or sister is like the plant that's unwatered, and your words are going to come and add the nourishment that they need. Now, your insight to others may not just be observational, but prophetic. Barnabas was a prophet, and Antioch was a prophetic church. He taught them to move in the Holy Spirit, to speak inspiration that would encourage, edify, and comfort, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14.3. God has put life and death in the power of the tongue. And so when we speak things from the Holy Spirit, that's life to life, not flesh to flesh. And your insights might just be the word in season that that person needs. In Proverbs 25.11, it says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold set in silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold set in silver. And that was Barnabas's effect on the Antioch congregation. He was constantly handing out crispy, juicy apples for people to munch on because his words were that delightful. Second thing that we see from Barnabas <coughs> is that he was generous with his praise. Part B of verse 23, it says that Barnabas encouraged them all. 
not just some of them, all of them, with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. In other words, he was saying to the congregation, you can do this. The key thing that Barnabas had to shepherd the Christians in Antioch through was a sense of insecurity about their status as new Christians, as a new church. Were they second-class Christians? Was this a second-class church? Every time they would think about church, their minds would just naturally compare themselves to the Hebrews in Jerusalem. Were they the junior varsity team compared to the varsity team? And Barnabas kept saying to them, no, you are not inferior. We are one new man. When Jesus went to the cross, he broke down the dividing wall and we are unified in Jesus. Doesn't matter your race. Doesn't matter your economic status. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter if you're a criminal or if you're a saint. In and through the blood of Jesus, we are one. And so Barnabas exhorted them and encouraged them and settled them in to their identity. He was constantly building up their confidence through encouragement and praise and reinforcement. Don't we need that kind of reinforcement and praise in our lives? You can do this. You're good at this. Job well done. Thank you. You really blessed me. Verbalize. Show people your appreciation. You know, Jojo was up here. Did you know that he never played bass before until he started the worship team? I mean, I think that's so awesome that there was an environment for him to come in and to learn from ground zero, and Ben was able to mentor him and took him to another place. And so there's that gratefulness that comes out in the testimony where he's excited to be released in a brand new instrument. Now, in contrast, the devil is an opposer, constantly coming at us with discouragement. That discouragement can be circumstantial, it can be situational, it can be through difficult relationships, but it's also that whispering in our mind. The devil loves to pile on. Whereas God is merciful, the devil is merciless. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's trying to rob us of our vision in God. You think about the promise that God gave to Abraham. You're going to be a father of many nations. Really? A father of many nations? We don't even have a single son. Maybe I'm supposed to go into my wife's maiden. My lineage will continue through that route. But no, God said, I'm going to do a miracle. I'm going to be true to my promise. And sure enough, the son of promise came. And by the way, this Gentile church in Antioch is the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham. You shall be a father of faith to many nations. Not just the Jews, but to every nation in the world. So this Antioch church was a big deal. Maybe as Peter is walking on the water, starting to drown, and we've all been in those situations where we feel like I'm stepping out in Jesus, the Lord told me to get out of the boat, and now I'm sinking, now I'm about to drown, and the devil is whispering, yeah, God's going to abandon you in the storm. Just you watch, you're going to sink. But of course, the Lord extended his hand just like he does to each of us. We sang about the faithfulness of God. In the end, it's the faithfulness of the God, the, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, that just crushes us because of his love. We are faithless every single day. We just walk away, we forget about God, but he continues to draw us back. He's so loving and so kind. I think about Thomas, one of the 12 apostles, and 
They're with Jesus all those three years, and now Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he senses that disaster is at hand, that Jesus is going to die. And he takes on this fatalistic attitude. In John chapter 11, Thomas said to his fellow disciples, yeah, let's go to Jerusalem also so that we can die with him. It's like, <laughs> Thomas, where is your sense of support? That discouragement settled in, and it clouded his vision. There was a, a well-known coach at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. And, of course, they had a very famed basketball program, Division I. The coach there was named Pepper Rogers, and he was having a terrible season as the head coach, and he was getting a lot of criticism from the press and alumni, and even his wife was getting impatient with their losses that were piling up. And reflecting back on that difficult time, Pepper said, my dog was my only friend. I told my wife that a man needs at least two friends, and she bought me another dog. <laughs> Sometimes it gets very bleak. But God has called us to buoy one another, to praise one another, to lift one another up, to be each other's best supporters and cheerleaders. And for Barnabas to come in to this Antioch situation and speak from that leadership, apostolic, prophetic perspective so helped them and solidify them. Third thing that we see here is that Barnabas was generous with his money. Now we have to dig a little bit deeper and cross-reference this, but in Acts chapter 4, we find that Barnabas has a hidden identity. Did you know that Barnabas's first name was Joseph? And when we look back in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, we find out that Barnabas was a lead giver in the Jerusalem church, which was his first church. Barnabas didn't just give generously, he gave sacrificially. In Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, it says, Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth. Now catch the connection. Antioch is populated with what? Christians from Cyprus. So he's thinking, man, this is so exciting. People in my hometown are getting saved. And so that was partly the connection in which the apostle said, Barnabas, you need to be the one that goes. And so he had this historical connection. It was where he was born, but he was also a Levite. In other words, he was part of that privileged group among the Hebrews that would serve in the temple. So he was kind of an expat in Cyprus, but he had this privilege in terms of the religious order and was able to serve in Jerusalem. So he understood both worlds very well. But it says in Acts chapter 4 that he owned a tract of land and he sold it and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And when the apostles received this offering, they were so touched, they changed his name and called him Barnabas, which translated means son of encouragement. Now, historians tell us that that piece of land was no ordinary piece of land. It wasn't some stony field in Palestine, but it was a rich, fruit-growing plot of land that was worth a lot of money. The value of that property and its income-producing ability signified Barnabas' great generosity and his love for God's work. And it was a great encouragement to the church in Jerusalem. 
So he brings that DNA. He brings that, that hidden identity to this church plant because now he is the lead pastor. Part of the reason why there was such a just potent atmosphere in the Jerusalem church was because it was rooted in finances. There was a massive spirit of generosity. And this is a case where money can add joy to the house when it's given for the common good and not hoarded for our own selves. So Barnabas brought this to Antioch. And who would have taught the believers there what he saw and what he did in his first church? And so this great generosity provided tremendous support and tremendous encouragement to the church there. In Acts chapter 11, verse 22, we see another key thought here is that Barnabas was generous with his time, calling us to do likewise and to be generous with our time. It says, when the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Are you willing to be sent off? Are you willing to serve? To go on an errand for God? To be interrupted in your schedule or lifestyle? You know, when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3, the Bible gives us a little detail that this man came to Jesus by night. I mean, that was an inconvenient time. Maybe it was 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. We know that Jesus had a very busy schedule, ministering a lot. I was just, you know, speaking at a conference. We had a lot of ministry, praying for people. At the end of the day, you get tired. But all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and it's Nicodemus. And he's now a secret believer in Jesus, but he's afraid to appear in public lest the other leaders persecute him for being a Jesus follower. So he goes to Jesus secretly. And Jesus meets him, and he's available. He's willing to be interrupted. He's willing to serve. And do you not think that Nicodemus was encouraged that Jesus was willing to meet him? A lot of things happen out of the way we plan things. And there has to be that heart of service. But when we're generous with our time, it blesses others. It encourages them. I think about the Good Samaritan story in Luke chapter 10. There was a man who was stripped and beaten by robbers. And as the story goes, different people passed by a Levite and a priest, but none of them wanted to turn aside to help him. None of them wanted to be interrupted or to be inconvenienced, but the Good Samaritan, he turned aside to help him. And do you not think that the Samaritan was grateful that the man who was beaten was grateful that the Good Samaritan was willing to help him? These are ways that we can encourage one another is to give of our time. Woody Allen has a great saying, 99% of life is just showing up. I know he's a bit of a shady character, but he did give us a good saying there. <laughs> People are encouraged when you give and you serve. You know, Philip, when he was in Samaria, Philip was one of the deacons. And by the way, we are so excited with our new crop of deacons that are going to be joining us. I just think that just they're going to add so much value to the church. But Philip was one of the deacons, and God was using him in a powerful revival in Samaria. Signs and wonders and miracles and the blind seeing. And those who were involved in witchcraft, they were getting converted. And so God was using Philip to ignite this revival. In the middle of that, God says, I want you to leave that revival. 
and I want you to go to Gaza. I want you to go on this little desert road because I have a divine appointment for you. Now, I don't know about you, but it'd be hard to leave a revival that God used me to start. But Philip, he was obedient. He went down this little road. And as we read in the scriptures, he had this divine appointment with the Ethiopian eunuch who ultimately through this conversation about Isaiah 53 came to Jesus. Now, do you think that that Ethiopian was encouraged by Philip's availability and personal attention? Absolutely. Another thing that we see here about Barnabas and how he established a culture of encouragement is that he was enthused for his local church. Barnabas was a local church man through and through. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell in Jerusalem at Pentecost, the, the roaring winds and the fire that came down, Barnabas was there. He was there to, to hear the wind and to see the fire poured out. He was there when the crowds ran towards the upper room to see what was happening. He experienced revival just like many of the other believers, and he was swept up in the move of God. And so he joined the ranks of swelling believers that came together with one heart and one mind. So Barnabas' start was as a local church member in the midst of revival. And then he became a pastor, church planter, and prophet. That was his foundation. And out of that foundation, he spoke well of the church. And we need to speak well of our church. Don't slander one another. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Don't be backbiting. Don't be gossiping. That's not the way to honor and to build up one another. And we build up our church by building up our people. That's why I quoted 1 Thessalonians 5 in the beginning, that we encourage one another to build up one another by building up the brothers and sisters in our midst. Let me just give you a, a few little <clears throat> points on different ways that we can do this. Encourage people in their godly character. You know, this is one of the great struggles in modern society and secular society is the world is coming in like a flood. There are so many things that are appealing to our flesh. There are so many things that try to stir up the old man, the carnality within us. There is so much license out there. There is not a supporting external culture that says, yeah, go for it. Be godly. Be holy. Be set apart. Rather, it's going the opposite direction. Everything appeals to our senses and our appetites. And it causes down this, to go down this road where we get contaminated. But when we lift up the Bible and we look at it and we read it, we see there is such joy and righteousness. You know what's the one word definition for people who are caught in sin? Misery. It is miserable to be in bondage by sin. You know what's the one word definition when you're free from sin? Joy. And God knows when he calls us to follow his precepts, it's not so that he can chain you and turn you into a religious person. It's so that you can enjoy freedom. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is the end point. Righteousness is the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he says, I'm going to cast a different vision for you and I'm going to show you true freedom and true joy and true victory. When you are enslaved to sin, you are not walking in victory. It leads to depression. It leads to all sorts of mental health issues. 
But when you start getting victory over sin, not through your own power, not through your own strength, not through grinding it out by yourself, but by the Spirit of God working in you and surrendering to it, you come into the choiceness. You come into what? You come into the, the fruit of Calvary. You come into that which Jesus died for you. He whom the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. That's our blessing. That's our inheritance. And so when you see people entering into and striving towards godliness and holiness, that's a good thing. Don't make fun of them. Don't shame them. Don't say that you're prudish. On the opposite, you should say, I need to join you. Let's do this together. 1 Timothy 4.12, which I put up on the slide. Paul is saying to Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Just because you're young and you're supposed to be sowing your wild oats, don't anyone shame you and say, oh, come on. Don't do that. Don't get religious on me. You're a Christian. Don't do that. No, let no one look down on your youthfulness. But rather, in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. We're talking about a comprehensive lifestyle of holiness. Not just one part, but how we talk, how we behave, how we relate. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And this is how I express my joy and excitement in Him. I get to be like Jesus Christ. So encourage people in their godly character. Second is encourage people in well-doing. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing well, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This is a, a weary time, right? We're just trying to keep our head above water just through COVID, let alone trying to think about helping others, doing well, doing good works. But you know, beloved, we got to keep at it. We got to keep working. We got to keep blessing. We got to keep serving. We have to continue to stay external focused. And we need to encourage one another in well-doing. Don't give up. So many times the rain seems delayed, right? James gives us this metaphor, the farmer who is sowing to the field. And getting the early rain, that's great. There's a little bit of encouragement. You start a church, 15, 20 people come, that's great. And then what happens? You plateau at 20 people for five years and you go, oh my goodness, Lord, what's going on? And you get weary, you get tired, you get discouraged. You believe that God is going to do something. And we need to say, brother and sister, God is with you. He has called you to do this. Yes, it seems like that maybe there is a, a sidebar or there is a detour, but fear not, little one. God will bring it to completion because he is faithful and he who calls you is faithful to complete it. Encourage each other in well-doing. Encourage people when they get spiritually unmotivated. We've learned a lot of new muscles during COVID, and some of them are not always good. Now we don't want to get up and do our Sunday morning routine and physically go to church. We want to just roll out of bed and turn on the YouTube channel, but we're half awake and half alert. We're not spiritually ready. We need to undo those muscles, and we need to re-engage our muscles. Life is hard, no doubt. You know, we're living in a season 
that many people in world history have never seen before. The amount of pressure, the amount of stress, 24-7 news, pestilence, famines, disasters, political divisions, goes on and on and on. We're the ones under this weight. But the Bible says, where sin abounds, what abounds? Grace abounds. There's no better time to be alive than today. You are appointed by God to live in this hour. And it's easy to get spiritually unmotivated. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church, say to Archippus, Archippus was one of Paul's co-workers. And he was reminding the church, he says, say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may have fulfilled it. Have you put your call? Have you put your destiny on the shelf? Have you said, I'm just going to hit pause for a while. I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. But we need to encourage people to get back in the game, to mount up with wings like eagles, to run and not be weary, to help one another. You know, we have these wonderful pictures of Olympic competition, and even in the midst of intense you know, exercising and going for the gold, there's just these wonderful moments of sportsmanship. And that's what we need to do. We need to help each other when we are down and we're not able to get up and run the race. So encourage each other in this area. Last thing to just highlight here is to encourage people to walk out their calling, which I just touched on. Again, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul prays for the church and he says that I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, God is not trying to hide his will from you. He wants to fill you with the knowledge of his will. In the Greek, that word fill means to overflowing. He's not just meeting it out. He is not trying to torment you by saying, here's a little crumb. Now try to figure out what your purpose on earth is. No, God wants to fill us with the knowledge of his will. And yes, seasons can be long, and there can be times where it seems like God is quiet, but God does everything with a purpose to produce his character inside of us. We are so used to this instant gratification culture. God is not going to bend the kingdom culture to the world and say, you know what, I'm going to turn into a microwave king. Pop this in and you'll get your results immediately. God is on his own timetable, and he's on his own timetable because he's trying to produce Jesus inside of you. He's not trying to make you hyper-successful. He's trying to make you fulfilled in his purpose and design for you. And he will do things according to his plan. So that means you have to have faith. That means you have to say, I'm continuing to be faithful to my God even though I can't feel it. So we need to encourage one another in our callings so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in every respect and bear fruit in every good work. So we look at this little portrait that is given to us in Acts chapter 11, and we see this vibrant church that was rooted in a culture of encouragement because the person that God sent to this church was Barnabas, who was the son of encouragement. And if you go through our E1 class, one of the things that you hear about is our calling to be an Antioch church. And part of the call of Antioch is to be a missional church, to have world vision, to send missionaries out, to send workers out, to plant churches. And indeed, that is part of Five Stones' calling. But culturally, inside, 
the member dynamic is that we should be encouraging one to another. That's part of our identity too when we say we are Antioch Church. It's to be a key trait of five stones. When people come, we want them to feel lifted up and enabled, empowered, and not diminished. So, Father, we come before you this morning. We speak, Father God, a wind of encouragement over our city in Jesus' name. For people who have fallen down, for people who feel like they can't get up, for people who feel like that they don't want to go on, we speak, Father God, a wind of encouragement to come over the city and to come over the church. We ask, Father God, that you would come through Five Stones Church and that you would blow strongly, that you would cause us to mount up with wings like eagles. And I pray, God, if you have quickened something to our hearts this morning and have activated something that was just in neutral, I just encourage you to to bring that to the Lord this week and say, God, I'm getting back in the game. I'm coming back to you. And if you see something in your brothers and sisters, like we saw with Barnabas, then go to them and verbalize it and email them and don't delay and don't hide your words. We thank you, Jesus, this morning for the power of encouragement. We thank you for the example of Barnabas and we thank you for the picture of Antioch. We bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I love how Pastor Rich pulled out this vignette of just Barnabas, the encourager, to encourage us to encourage each other. It's such a call to action. This sermon series that we're doing over the summer is not just something for us to know, something for us to, 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 uh, to feel good about. But it's a call to action for the church to do something for each other. And as Rich has given us this picture of encouragement, what I love about it is that it is such, it's not just about going up to each other and just say, hey, I want to encourage you today. But it's such a bigger picture of we're doing this because this is what the church is to do. It's to extend the glory beyond the church. It's to extend the, the it's to extend Jesus beyond the church. The One Another series is not just an example of this is how Christians live, but this is how we live so that the world may see. It is a witness of what the church is about. And so there is a call to action today, and that call to action is for you to start thinking about how do I encourage my brothers and sisters today? How do I encourage my brothers and sisters tomorrow? How do I encourage the church to continue moving forward in a place where Jesus is giving glory. And so today, there was a call to action. I encourage you as a church to take that call to action and put into practice to do something about it today. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father God, we just, we love you and we give all praise to you. We give all of our blessing to you. And Lord, as you have given us this picture uh, in Acts of Barnabas, the encourager, Lord, may we continue doing that as you encourage us that we can encourage each other. So, Father God, put into our spirit who to encourage, and may we connect with each other life to life, brother to brother, sister to sister. 
And Lord, may we be an extension of your great love and your great encouragement for us. So Lord, we thank you, we love you, we give all praise to you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week.